Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What may or may not be trending, but what you will nevertheless hear. Now, 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 now. Today, January 18th, is LA Basketball Bliss Day for the whole nation. As much as you can get bliss, basketball bliss in almost the exact amount of the season. As the 29-13 LA Clippers take on the New Orleans Pelicans at 12.30 on Channel 7 ABC, and the Houston Rockets host the Lakers at 5.30 p.m. on ABC as well. Both of those times are Pacific times. Although the Pelicans are 10 games below 500. They are coming off a thrilling overtime victory over the Jazz, who had won 10 straight before that game. Utah led by 5 with about 2 minutes and a half to go in OT, but went and score again, while the New Orleans rattled off a total of 2 layups and 7 free throws to blow by to a final score of 138-132. to The Clippers are also coming off of a Thursday win albeit a much more comfortable 122-95 victory over the just under 500 Orlando Magic. Meanwhile, both the Lakers and Rockets are coming into their matchup looking to rebound after tough losses to lesser opponents. Houston suffered an embarrassing 10-point loss on Wednesday to a Portland team that was seven games under 500 heading into the matchup. On the same night, the Lakers fell greatly behind in the third quarter to the Orlando Magic, who were on the first night of their tough stable center back-to-back. Alley's LA's comeback attempt fell just short 119 to 118 and led to LA's first loss all season to an under 500 team. Nevertheless, both teams enter their marking matchup in comfortable, enviable positions. Lakers lead the Western Conference at 33 and 8 with a winning percentage of 80, and Houston has a stellar 26 and 14 and on pace for 53 wins. And now, living while recording. From the Catch My Eye podcast studio, located in the unsponsored messy bedroom of the lazy bum himself, here is James Leblanc. 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 Episode 6 of the Catch My Eye podcast is here. By the way, if you want to comment on the show, offer any suggestions, offer different opinions, tell me how I can make the show better in any way. Of course, I'm sure there's lots of ways. I'm sure you have lots of suggestions if you listen to it. (laughs) But all that stuff, you can email me at... Catch my eye podcast at gmail.com. So that's C A T C H M Y E Y E P O D C A S T at gmail.com. All lowercase, just how you think you would spell Catch My Eye Podcast. Just spell it out. No dashes, no nothings, no periods. Catch my eye podcast at gmail.com if you want to contact me. Of course, 
they'll probably be gone, uh, pretty soon the show will be going on to Apple iTunes, so I think you can also rate and comment on the show right there as well. But yes, by all means, please email me at catchmypodcast at gmail.com with any comments, different opinions, etc., etc. Now, a couple, we all know, tomorrow. Now, today is Saturday, January 18th. But tomorrow is good old Championship Sunday in the NFL. As they said, although the update was about the LA's basketball teams, and none of LA's football teams are in the playoffs. In fact, none of them even made the playoffs, let alone they didn't lose in the wild card or the divisional rounds. They just were mediocre to bad this year. <laughs> but, nevertheless, it doesn't seem like a lot of LA fans are all that thrilled about either the LA Rams. They don't have, neither team seems to have great allegiance in the LA market. Of course, the other team that seems to have a lot of allegiance in the LA market is the Oakland Raiders, now to become the Las Vegas Raiders, and they didn't make the playoffs either. Although they did come closest. <laughs> they were still in it coming into Week 17. They were hanging on by this thread of their skin, and they needed like 8 billion things to go right for them in order to make it in. But unlike the LA Rams and the Chargers, they at least had a shot going into Week 17. But... The NFL Championship games are here next Sunday. It's I don't know if the NBA is has many games on Sunday. If they're smart, they probably do not. As I said, you can't get very close to basketball bliss in the middle of the season. Meanwhile, the NFL is in NFL bliss right now because it's the playoffs. And besides, the NFL is just way more popular than the NBA. But yeah, everybody's concentrating on the NFL playoffs at this point. So a couple. So today's podcast is going to concentrate on the NFL playoffs, particularly the Packers 49ers game. But before that, a couple comments. Before I get into the talking about the Packers versus 49ers. Anyway, there is, there will be some family rivalry going on this weekend in the Packers 49ers game. Um, when the pa- the or sorry, the 49ers played the Baltimore Ravens. What was it? Super Bowl 47. I want to say, but it was a little ways back, maybe five or six, seven years back. Everyone made a big deal of that when they faced off in the Super Bowl, because Jim and John were the brothers, and they were the head coaches. John's still at Baltimore. Jim's now at Michigan. He's been there for a few years now, and now he's kind of <laughs> getting on the hot seat because he hasn't been super successful, particularly against Ohio State. Hasn't really even gotten close to the playoffs, which is what they were expecting when they hired 
Jim Harbaugh, but he's gone. Kind of a rather acrimonious exit from San Francisco. But everybody made a big deal about how the sibling rivalry. But this game, however, this Packers 49ers game, uh, Matt LaFleur, the Packers first-year head coach, will be opposing his brother, Mike LaFleur. Because Mike LaFleur is the 49ers passing game coordinator. Now it is a little bit less, because it's not like Matt, Mike LaFleur is the defensive coordinator and Matt is the, the head coach or offensive coordinator. They're both, you know, kind of offensive coaches. They're not really going to be battling wits or whatever, like Jim and John Harbaugh were going to do. But nevertheless, they're going to be on opposing teams. Mike LaFleur, the passing game coordinator, and Matt LaFleur, the Green Bay Packers head coach. I wonder if Matt kind of holds it over Mike said, Hey, I'm a head coach, and you're just a lousy passing game coordinator. <laughs> Probably not. But they did work together in Atlanta uh, from 2015 to 2016. And that's all. those years were also one of the three times that Kyle Shanahan and Matt LeFleur uh, worked together. Matt LeFleur, by the way, also worked with uh, Mike Shanahan. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's father. Also, another family rivalry. Everyone knows about the dominant D-lineman Joey Bosa of the Chargers and Nick Bosa of the 49ers, how they're brothers and how they're, woo, they're really good. Nick Bosa's obviously on quite a bit better team, but, and Nick Bosa actually might be the better, even though he's the younger of the two. But not everyone knows that there will be a family rivalry in today's, or tomorrow's game, Packers vs. 49ers involving Nick Bosa. Because he is the cousin of Jake Kumaro. Now, who the heck is Jake Kumaro? <laughs> That's what everyone's asking. But he's a wide receiver for the Packers. So he's Jake Kumaro, wide receiver for the Packers, is cousin to Nick Bosa. Now, the reason why everyone does not know, or I guess nobody knows, about Jake Kumaro for good reason, except for maybe rabid Packers fans like my brother or a priest that I know they probably, oh yeah, Jake Kumar we all know about him, we've known that he's a cousin of Nick Bosa for years now but other than rabid cheeseheads nobody knows who Jake Kumaro is because he only started one game this year he was inactive, he was listed as inactive he couldn't play for two other games this year. Uh, this season he had a total of 12 catches and went TD on the year. No catches last week. His career totals are grand. 20 catches, 322 yards, and two touchdowns. So we do have a cousin and brother rivalry for this 49ers Packers game. Now the cousin rivalry is they all actually, actually could be on the field at the same time, opposing each other. So that might be a little interesting, but again, it's not like... I seriously doubt Jake Kumo is going to be trying to block Nick Bosa. <laughs> and nobody the heck even knows Jake Kumaro. Also, another note is that 
I did not realize this, but looking up and going through the 49ers media guy was that uh, oh, apparently Terry Donahue, who was a longtime great UCLA football coach. My thick seventy six, nineteen seventy six to nineteen ninety five was actually the GM for the 49ers. He kind of took over from uh, Bill Walsh in the early two thousands. Now he did not last long <laughs> for the San Francisco 49ers, as he was kind of in the same boat as all the other front office guys who didn't last for a long time. Uh, for basically the past two decades since Bill Walsh, San Francisco's kind of been up and down for some time now. Oh, they did have that really good run with San Francisco, or was Jim Harbaugh for a couple of those years right there with like Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick. But yes, they definitely made up and down for the past two decades. And Terry Donahue, I think, only lasted for a couple of years, but I did not know that he was actually ever went into the NFL. But yes, he was the GM for the 49ers. That could be. That's kind of a little interesting note for UCLA, Southern California fans. Now, the main thing, today's main topic was going to be about John Lynch, the 49ers GM, because I was reading up about him. and He's actually a very interesting guy. But then I got... There was also some other stuff I wanted to get to about the 49ers versus the Packers. So I decided to postpone that John Lynch podcast about John Lynch until maybe next week. He's definitely a, a very interesting guy. But the, the, there were some kind of random thoughts, kind of not all about the Packers and the 49ers that I wanted to get to before the game. And if I talked about that and John Lynch, as well as the stuff that I just talked about, like the rivalries and Terry Donahue, the, the, the podcast would go on way too long. So I decided to get rid of John Lynch, postpone him until later, and just talk about the, mainly the Packers versus the 49ers. Now, this Packers 49ers game is Vegas is not expecting the game to be very close. The fact is, expecting neither game to be very close on Championship Sunday, uh, Vegas isn't. Earlier this week, KC was a minus 7.5. That was the line. So they were favored to beat Tennessee by 7.5 points. The 49ers were a minus 7. Now, for Benny, of course, that point five is a huge point right there. Because it's that means that in order for the person to, for San Francisco to cover the, or sorry, Kansas City to cover, they have to beat Tennessee by 8 points. Whereas the 49ers only have to beat the Green Bay Packers by 7 points in order to cover. So that 0.5 point right there is a big number. But nevertheless, both is, I was surprised about not maybe not so much for Kansas City because heck, I believe they won. They 
they were three games better than Tennessee in the regular season. Although Tennessee did beat them 35-32. to they also, Kansas City also scored more points in three quarters last week than the Titans did in their two playoff games. I think it was something like 51-48 to 48 or something like that. It's Tennessee scored like 20 points in their first game and 28, I want to say, in the second. Or is Kansas City scored 51 points in the final three quarters of last week's game. See, that you can kind of understand. But heck, I, uh, I'm not really at Tennessee until they actually lose. I think that could be a good game. Now, San Francisco, you can also kind of understand. Because in the regular season in Week 12, they crushed Green Bay 38-7. to They did win the same number of games, but San Francisco had the much tougher schedule. San Francisco's statistics are also extremely impressive, both overall and compared to the Green Bay Packers. As so, an interesting note, though, about the Packers versus San Francisco's overall statistics, though, is that rushing. Rushing, you look at Green Bay's leading rusher, and he is way better than San Francisco's leading rusher. Aaron Jones this year had 1,084 yards. San Francisco did not even have a close to a 1,000-yard rusher. Their leading rusher was Raheem Moster with 772 yards. Yet, the weird thing is what? The rushing? They averaged Green Bay, that is, they averaged 112 rushing yards per game this year, which was 18 in the NFL. And what? Oh, no, they were, that was, that's 15th in the NFL, so they're right in the middle. And 8th in the NFC, so they're basically middle of the pack in rushing. Even though they had this 1,000 yard rusher in Aaron Jones. San Francisco, whoo, they averaged 144 yards rushing. That's first in the NFC, second in the NFL. Uh, second, I believe, to the Baltimore Ravens. But, yeah, they didn't even have close to a 1,000-yard rusher. Their leading rusher, what, had, like, as I said, 773? Raheem Moster? Not what the heck happened right there? They basically have a three-headed monster. It's kind of like uh, it's the Seattle CX last year with Rashad Penny, Mike Davis, and Chris Carson. But this was an even more of a three-headed monster, like more even. Because Chris Carson is still definitely last year for the Seattle CX was still the main back. Now Rashad Penny and Mike Davis was still really good as backups, but this year, Raheem Mostert, 772 yards, Matt Breida at 623 yards, and their third rusher was Tevin Coleman. He had 
544 yards. That's very close. 772 for Raheem Oster, Matt Breida, 623, Tevin Coleman, 544. So there you go. There, That's why. Woo. That's why you have such good... Like, they don't have one great running back. They just have three really good running backs. They just shared the load. That's what happened. That's why they now have 144 rushing yards. First in the NFC, second in the NFL. Yet not even close to a 1,000-yard rusher, which is kind of amazing. Now, Green Bay... In a lot of the categories, Green Bay and San Francisco are kind of even. They allowed 19.6 points per game. Did Green Bay, San Francisco, 19.4. That was 8th and ninth in the NFL this year. That was very, very good. In other categories, though, Green Bay actually creamed them. The turnover margin, Green Bay had a very good turnover margin, a plus 2. Plus 12, excuse me. San Francisco had a plus 4. They were tied for 10, so that's good. But not great like Green Bay. That's where they're going to have to get. Green Bay is going to have to get San Francisco. As many, this has been this is probably very cliche by this time. But whoever's the more physical team, I was reading a Phil Sims, book by Phil Sims, the great New York Giants quarterback. He's like everybody talks about the turnover margin. Nope, this team won the turnover battle. Battle. Well, the reason, and whoever wins the turnover battle, they're most likely to win. The turnover battle is probably just a result of the whoever team was more physical. And that's really what you have to look at is looking at the film is which team is more physical, that's who's gonna win. And that's what a lot of, a lot of teams seem to re echo that. Before the the before the Philadelphia, excuse me, before the Green Bay Seattle game, Matt Lafleur asked for his thoughts on the Seattle Philadelphia game in the wild card. He's like, "Yep, it's a very physical game, playoff football. That's gonna be the key. so that's gonna be the key to the game, just like pretty much every other NFL game is who's more physical, and the turnover is probably going to be follow that." Who's the more physical team? Who's pressuring the quarterback more? Who's, you know, who's forcing, who's hitting, who's hitting the running back harder, forcing him to fumble? Or who's hitting the receivers harder, forcing him to fumble? But that's a, that's the one, that's the, pla that's the place where Green Bay is actually, wow, they actually have a plus twelve turnover margin to plus four. The other. It's not so good. The other head-to-head -head statistics, not so good for San Francisco versus Green Bay, which is probably why Vegas is 
betting so heavily on the San Francisco or set, set the line so heavily for San Francisco. They were San Francisco was first in the NFC, second in the NFL in points scored per game. They scored a whopping twenty nine point nine points per game. Green Bay was more middle of the pack at twenty three and a half. They were slightly San Francisco was slightly better at passing, way better in rushing. San Francisco actually had fewer many much fewer yards per game. Uh the Packers actually were a little below average in total yards allowed per game. San Francisco was the top of the pack. They were, San Francisco was great in third down offense. Green Bay, middle of the road. Third down defense, same story. San Francisco was like first. And the NFC tied, that is, and second tied in the NFC and third down defense. They allowed a conversion rate of 33 and a third percent, so basically one, th- one of every three times. Green Bay was more middle of the pack. As far as passing goes, Garoppolo actually had a better passer rating. He actually had a 102 passer rating to Aaron Rodgers' 95. And Rodgers had slightly more yards. Just over 4,000 for Rodgers, just under 4,000 for the Jimmy G. So in the so definitely in the main. San Francisco basically creams Green Bay in most statistical categories. With the notable exception though, I will say of what? Turnover margin. Which, although everybody can, which is, as Phil Simmons was saying, which seems a lot of people, that's usually the product of who's more physical, who is playing the more physical football game. And that's what a lot of people seem to say, is that's going to determine who wins the football game, who plays more physically. Now... I mentioned before San Francisco and Green Bay. They're one of the premier franchises. And since 1980, they're like on the top of the list for it. On the top of the list for everything. Winning seasons, San Francisco is fourth at 23. Green Bay has 24. They're at third. Playoff games, San Francisco's playing in 45. Green Bay's playing in 41. San Francisco is two. Green Bay is four. San Francisco has had 17 division titles. Green Bay's had 14. That's second and fourth, respectively. Conference championship games. San Francisco's had 14. Green Bay's had 8. That's second and fifth, respectively. Playoff appearances. 22 for San Francisco, 21 for Green Bay. Second and fourth, respectively. Super Bowl appearances. Green Bay actually is kind of down here. They have only had three, while San Francisco's at six. San Francisco's at five, 
victories. Probably all of those with Bill Walsh, but and then Green Bay's only at two, so actually Green Bay's so San Francisco's usually been better, but heck, these are what two of the premier franchises. Now, obviously the premier franchise since nineteen eighty is the is the New England Patriots. On every list, literally every list that I just mentioned right there. Winning seasons, playoff games, division titles, conference championship games, Super Bowl appearances, playoff appearances, and Super Bowl victories. Who is number one on that list? Every single one of that list is San Francisco. Excuse me. The New England Patriots. They have been by far the most dominant team since 1980 in the NFL. I wouldn't say by far because, you know, they are kind of, the numbers are kind of close. But, yeah, when you're on, if you're on top of every single list, meaningful list, that's very impressive for the New England Patriots. But yeah, San Francisco and Green Bay, they're in pretty good positions as well. <laughs> pretty much any team would want to have that. Now another thing I was looking for on these statistics was that a lot of these things for this now this is just for 2019. Oh, my dad just told me that I use the word things way too much. So there you go. Just use that thing right there. My fallback term for something that I don't know when I get lost apparently. <laughs> and I I definitely believe it. But a lot of these stats San Francisco leads and and they they're in the top 5 in these 2019, and that's not surprising because they were really good. For example, they had their fifth in highest third down percentage in the NFL, 2019. That is converting. They converted on 45% of the third down attempts. The other teams are not surprising. Kansas City, Baltimore, Dallas, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. Kansas City was number one. Baltimore and Dallas were tied for number two. Ice point differential. New England is three. Baltimore is one. New England is two. Kansas City is four. New England is five. None of these are surprising. Now you, never, now you don't really notice Green Bay on any of these lists, but San Francisco is really just up there. They've been statistically dominating this year. Highest yards per game. San Francisco's fourth. Most TDs scored on offense. San Francisco's second. Highest total net yards differential. San Francisco's third. Most drives to reach the red zone. San Francisco's second. Most rushing yards, San Francisco's second. Rushing yards per game. Most rushing yards. Excuse me about that. Most big plays, rushes of 10 plus and passes of 20 plus in the NFL in 2019. San Francisco's second. 
so none of these lists are surprising because as I said, San Francisco has just been really dominant, very high in all these ca- when we went head to head, pretty much except for turnover margin, which as I said is very important. San Francisco has just been much better than the Green Bay Packers this year. But as you go down these lists, what's very interesting is, you know, a lot of these teams, yeah, you kind of expect it, like, New Orleans Saints are on there a lot, Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs, all these teams that you expected to do well. They were very good during the regular season. Many wins. You expected them to go deeper. New Orleans Saints and Baltimore Ravens very surprisingly bowed out very early. But you know the team that's on these lists a lot? It's the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm like, whoa. Like, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, why are they on all these lists? Like, why are they so high in all, st- in all these statistical categories? But they only finished 8-8. Eight and eight. They were really mediocre. Highest third down percentage in the NFL. Dallas Cowboys converted 47.1 percent of their third down conversion attempts, which was tied for second with the Baltimore Ravens. They did not have the highest point differential, unsurprisingly. They did not have one of the highest point differentials. But highest yards per game average in the NFL, Dallas Cowboys number one in yards per game this year in 431.5. Most TD scored in the NFL. There you are, Dallas, tied with the New Orleans Saints, as well as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But they were tied for fourth with 48. Highest total net yardage differential. Dallas Cowboys number two. Now, of course, you also now of course you also look, and. They're not on the list for highest point differential, but they are on the list for highest yards. Total net yardage differential. Most most drives to reach the red zone, they're not on there. But most rushing yards per game? Dallas Cowboys right there in 134.6, they're fifth. Most big plays, they're right there, two behind the Dallas Cowboys with 115. Look at that. Most big plays, rushes of 10 plus yards and passes of 20 plus yards. Top five, Baltimore, in order. Baltimore, San Francisco, Dallas, Tennessee Titans, and Seattle Seahawks, one through five. So four of those teams that had the big plays there all got to the playoffs. Y'all look at them. Baltimore was very good. They just lost to Tennessee freakishly. Seattle had a pretty good year. They were just derailed by injuries. San Francisco, obviously really good. Tennessee, man, they got to the AFC Championship game. Very surprising. (laughs) But the one anomaly right there is the Dallas Cowboys. So why are the Dallas Cowboys on all these so great statistically? They just really had a bad year. Which... Kind of brings up my next point, which is part of the reason why I don't think this game, this Packers 49 game, is going to be a blowout like all these statistics 
might be saying all these. Basically what Vegas is expecting with that minus 7 line in favor of the San Francisco 49ers. Because statistics do not tell the full story. Except for the 49ers game in which the winning team, that is the San Francisco 49ers, just dominated in every pretty much every statistical category over the they just creamed them on the score, on the box score, everywhere. They just creamed the Minnesota Vikings last last week in the divisional round of the playoffs. So except for that 49ers game, for all the divisional round playoffs, the losing team was actually the winner in many statistical categories that your average mode looks at. Houston, after the first quarter, they got creamed by the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost by 20. But for the whole game we're talking about, they won time of possession by over 8 minutes. 8 minutes. That is a cream. If you win by time of possession by that much, you'd think you'd be doing great. You, you know, Houston lost by 20. Ouch. Now, they they even outgained Kansas City in total net yards. They barely outgained like 434 to, I don't know, maybe like 442 to 434, something like that. But it, it was basically tied, but they did do it by a little bit. They were tied in the turnover battle. I believe they both got one fumble. So they both turned it over once. Houston even had, Houston even punted one last time to Kansas City. Although Kansas City did not have four more sacks, and they did have six more first downs. But in a lot of those statistical categories, especially time of possession, that your average mode looks at, Houston actually won. Meanwhile, Green Bay lost to the Sea action. First downs, total net yards, rushing yards, passing yards, time of possession, and number of punts in that Seahawks lost to the Green Bay Packers. And all these... Now, all those things were close. Neither team had a turnover. Seattle punted one last time, although Russell Wilson got sacked three more times than A-Rod. So maybe that did tell a story of two teams that were pretty evenly matched. Because this was one close game, although it was not... It was not really back and forth in traditional sense, because... Green Bay steamrolled Seattle in the first half, and the CX pretty much returned the favor in the second half. It just came up a bit, a bit short. I got Jimmy Graham. First down short. That's how short they were. That, okay, but just kidding. Right there. So, they were all close there in all those statistical categories. So maybe that kind of told the story, but Seattle, though, did win in a lot of those statistical categories, even if it was by only a little bit. Yet they lost the game 20-23. to In the Baltimore game, Baltimore dominated time of possession by four, point, four minutes. Excuse me, They had 14 more first downs. 14 more first downs. That is a ton more. Outgained Tennessee in total net yards by 230. They forced six punts. They only had to punt once. Now, of course, Tennessee won the turnover battle 3-0. to nil. They also had four more sacks to Baltimore's one. They also had four sacks to Baltimore's one. That's why they won. So if you look closely enough, you come across that and you go, ah, oh, that's why. 
by a lot of traditional stats, like time of possession, first downs, total net yards. They were won by the losing team last week. So, perhaps? Stats do not tell the full story. Maybe that's why the Dallas Cowboys could be so high in all these statistical categories. Yet be such a really mediocre team. That's why I think I think in the end San Francisco will come out the winner. I think it's gonna be a very good game. Kansas I'm not sure about Can Kansas City, Tennessee, Derek Henry can keep it going. Tennessee will have a chance. But I could I could I could see that game be more of a blowout than the Green Bay game. But even though San Francisco seems to be so dominant, I'm not counting out the Green Bay Packers. Again, I think it'll probably come down to who's the more physical team. So that's a wrap for me this Saturday. Now it's off to the library to upload it onto the website. Again, if you want to hit me up with any comments or anything, catch my iPodcast at gmail.com. want to issue my thank yous. First of all, the Blessed Trinity and the Holy Family, my guardian angel, my patron saints Francis Saver and James the Greater, my family, my grandmother, and my uncle, and then Brian Seaman, Clippers, play-by-play man, Adam Oslin, the pre- and post-game host on AM570 LA Sports, Noah, and Noah Eagle, the Clippers play-by-play man, on radio, that is. Brian Seaman is the TV announcer. Also, Michael Madden, whose course has really helped me to kind of issue and Perhaps this is an acceptable podcast. But anyway, thank you for the support to all of those people. Of course, everything is... We don't want them... We don't want to say that they had anything to do with the content in the podcast. They just help, They just have helped me and supported me. The content is just all mine, completely. Nothing that I say should be ascribed to them at all. But, next podcast, Tuesday of next week. By that time, I'll figure out who's been in the Super Bowl. Clippers, Lakers, season will roll on. I believe they're on the Grammy road trip right now. I I know the Clippers are going to go on a six-game road trip, and I know the Grammy trip is right about now. I don't know what the Lakers schedule is like. They probably wouldn't be surprised if they're going on like whatever six-game road trip. But coming up, January 28th, 10 days from now, uh, Game 3 of the Clippers-Lakers matchup. So watch out for that one. That'll, that will be the last game of the Clippers six-game roadie. So that last game right there will be at Staples Center. So, 10 days from now, Game 3, Lakers-Clippers. 
Whew, Lakers better get this one, huh? We'll see if Paul George, by the way, is traveling with the team on the six-game road trip. So maybe we'll see him sometime. Hopefully, though, he does not come back too early. Because hamstring injuries, if you don't get them right, they can really linger for a long time. So, until Tuesday, Bonsuelo. Well, everyone, it's mercifully over. Come back for more next time, if you can stomach it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.